0: Machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines, you are not cattle, you are men.
1: Eccoci qua, eccoci qua, eccoci qua. Welcome everybody, this is a uh, Room Tone, the radio show on Cop Radio 100.5 FM. I'm Roger, your host, and I just can't wait to head dive right into it, because today, oh my goodness, today, our guest, please, please everybody, raise your hands. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there you go, love that laughter for Good Animation bad. and Documentary Director and Producer, Jeff chiba stearns how are you doing my man i'm good i'm good beautiful man i love this beautiful energy and i can't wait to just uh, get into your world and explore also what it means to be part of this community and uh, just uh, spread the love and get the love out there now first things first let me ask you for the people out there who yeah. don't know who is jeff chiba <laughs> stearns that's a very complex question my my good man um
2: <laughs> you know I- i'm someone who likes to create and uh, i take various sort of creating processes through different mediums so uh, primarily I'm a filmmaker animation director and uh, documentary uh, director and producer um, but also an illustrator and artist I do children's books um, I do painting I, I do arts I do all kinds of different mediums that uh, I actually to explore my creativity so you know I, I definitely like to mix it up
1: beautiful man I always like to see you around at different events here in the in the Vancouver community uh, always active and making it happen and to me what strikes and what's really inspiring about your work is that uh, you basically dance between animation and documentary so smoothly what's oh, the story man what's what led you also to be interested about these two mediums you know i'm i'm a, a self, well I, I trained to be
2: an animator um an animation filmmaker when i went to emily carr uh, back in 2001 i graduated and uh out of emily carr I, I came out with a degree in um film animation so i was making animated films um early on and up until about 2000 i had made just short Animated films. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I'd made about, I think, five at that point. Then kind of decided I wanted to make longer format medium. And uh, switched to documentary. But a lot of the documentaries I do still involve a lot of animation because mm-hmm. animation is still a really huge passion for me. Nice. But I guess what's kind of interesting is that you live in two different worlds, right? You mm-hmm. know, very rarely do the two ever kind of overlap, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, go to animation festivals, you've got your animation buddies. Beautiful. And then you go <laughs> to documentary festivals, you got your documentary buddies. And then you just go to general film festivals and you have a great old time. But, um, you know, I think in, in, in essence it's been kind of cool to kind of move between these different sort of genres. Mm, and also just
1: keeps it interesting. I love it, man. And, and you see, um, speaking also about your melange, your blend of animation and documentary, there goes your latest documentary from 2016, Mixed Match. Yeah. And I think that the idea was so relevant in many ways. And I guess that uh, somehow we always uh, find ourselves in our own films. And that's what made it so successful in many ways. Because it really had a, a huge impact uh, when it comes down to education and just getting the film through that channel. Mm-hmm. And so I want to ask you, first things first. For our audience out there, what is Mixed Match about and what was the process of getting it out there through your community? Sure. So, Mixed Match is
2: a feature-length documentary I I directed and produced in 2016. We started the project in almost 2010, so it was a six-year kind of journey um, to capture the film. Basically, the film is about the sort of complications and challenges multiracial people have um, if they have leukemia or a rare blood disease mm. and they're trying to find a bone marrow match uh, for people who don't know, you've got to try and find a genetic twin in the world mm. and so, you know, when you're mixed um, trying to find your genetic twin gets a little more challenging mm. um, because a lot of times your match is going to come from someone who has the same ancestry as you mm-hmm. and so when you have multiple ancestries it just gets a little more um, complicated to try and find that perfect match mm. so it's a bit of a film of, you know, it's a, it's a Film is sort of raising awareness for this this cause, Absolutely. this issue, and and uh, you know the call to action really is just to get more people on the on the national bone marrow registries mm-hmm. uh, because the more people who are on it, the better chances that you can find a match. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, I did a little; they did a test for me. In the worldwide registry of like 30 million people, and I think it came up with one potential match. I me. see. Wow. But that's I'm also crazy. I'm, so I'm mixed Japanese Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, mom is Japanese Canadian, and my father is European. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've got this kind of interesting mix, um, you know, which is why I have this focus in my work on multiracial identity. I mm-hmm. guess in that sense, I,
1: I'm really excited to to hear about this, and I'm also curious to see yeah, how yeah. you explore these topics in animation and if they are uh, similar topics, because I know that uh, with your children's books as well and mm-hmm. I guess you're right now you're working on one, too, which I'd like to hear more about. Sure. Um, it becomes really uh, fascinating for me to see how you can explore those topics and tell those stories. So how do you manage the difference between telling a story through a documentary and animation, especially when looking at the potential audience for that? Yeah, and I think, you know, it's, not, it's kind of cliche to say, but it always comes down to story, mm-hmm. right?
2: Um, you know, as, as humans, we're just natural storytellers. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it, it's just telling a story through any medium is exciting for me and uh, being able to play around with different mediums as mm. well you know it, it keeps it exciting you know I always say I found bliss you know mm. because I've been able to create you know through these different you know mediums mm-hmm. and um, you know it's really just I uh, it boils down to just finding the right story that mm. works with the medium that you're trying to tell and you know if animation works in there great if it's documentary live action that works as well mm-hmm. you know and if it fits more as a storybook, perfect beautiful
1: know? beautiful and by the way congratulations on your work and even having uh, one of your your animations being nominated for an Emmy. We're yeah. talking about an E-double-M-Y, man. <laughs> Emmy, man. It's the real deal. How was the process of and how you, did you even get the news?
2: <laughs> you know, um, that was for a film called Yellow Sticky Notes, and Yellow Sticky Notes was a really interesting film. It was uh, completed in 2007. Um, I think I started in 2006, but it was one of those films I just picked up a pad of Post-it notes, and I just started drawing and animating and realizing... I'm going to animate sort of a self-reflection on post-it notes. Something I coined as animation meditation early Mm. on. Because for me, the process of animating is about meditation. You know, it's about sort of reflecting. And so the film kind of came down to the idea that my life was super busy. I was putting post-it note to-do lists everywhere. And I felt like I was getting overwhelmed. Mm. So as a way to kind of take revenge on these post-it notes, I decided I would animate these sort of world events that I was not ignoring, but just didn't realize were having an impact on my life. Like 9-11 and certain sort of...
1: You know, newsworthy events. And there there comes the title of, of the studio, Meditating Bunny, yeah. which to me, when I saw it the first time, I said, wow, this is genius. I wonder what it means. I wonder what lives behind it. Yeah, you know, I take a lot of
2: inspiration from certain things and, and various things. But yeah, <laughs> so the, the sticky note film just sort of, I always said it was either going to be the biggest mistake of my life because I wasted mm. nine months animating it, or it would be the biggest thing I ever did. Mm. Luckily, it premiered at Tribeca Film Festival. Oh York. my goodness. Um, YouTube saw it there. Um, they mm. bought the film. It was weird. They bought the film. They, they, wow acquired it, but not just that, but it sort of just went on and, and it did a lot of broadcast as well so it got on to some PBS stations in the US um, and because it was on PBS uh, the KTCS9 had, had been able to get it nominated for an Emmy, hmm. um, so that was cool you know what I mean, um, but at the same time it's sort of one of those things where yeah, it's just sort of like these cool little wins, right? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, it's great. You got nominated for that or, you know, or certain different awards. You know, the film actually, for me, the, the most important accomplishment of that award was that it played Clermont-Ferrand in France, mm. which is the biggest, you know, short film festival mm-hmm. in the world. And it came away with the uh, Prix du Public, which is like the wow. audience award. That's beautiful. You know, and I think for a Canadian film to be
1: on that national s- or international stage and, and be able to be recognized in that way, was huge for me. So let me ask you, for the people who are listening out right, there, uh, right, uh, right now out there, let me ask you you, how can they follow your journey? How can they stay in touch with uh, Jeff Chiba Starnes? How can they <laughs> stay tuned? You know, I, I,
2: I, as much as I find that social media is tricky and time-consuming, mm-hmm. I still utilize it quite extensively to help get the word out about things mm-hmm. I'm doing. So, you know, on Instagram, it's um, at Meditating Bunny, right mm-hmm, that's also mm-hmm, my Twitter mm-hmm. handle as well beautiful but you know Facebook um, also good you know people can find me Jeff Chivas Stearns I've got you know pages but you know I think the website MeditatingBunny.com
1: yeah you know what we're gonna do we're gonna put the link of, uh, of the website in the description of this podcast when it's gonna be released but for now let's stay here on the live on Cop Radio man just loving this process so much and uh, something I wanna explore with you is also the process yeah. of getting these films out there because animation and documentary somehow there's so many differences in the way they're consumed what 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 is your common denominator for getting your content out there? Yeah,
2: you know, I I really believe that, you know, as much as creating is is key and critical and in the process of mm-hmm. making media you have to keep in mind we're making product right mm-hmm. you know people hate saying oh my film's a product <laughs> but you are you're making something that's going to be consumed by people mm. you know so when, when we think about that we have to think there's a hustle involved right we've got to go we got to sell it we have to get distribution we've got to make sure that it gets in people's hands because mm. I always say it's a waste of time if you're making stuff and nobody ever gets to see it right mm-hmm. so I've been really fortunate with my films you know we've had broadcast we've had distribution we've had worldwide sort of sales in that that way um, so, it's just like I said, it's it's taking as much time as it takes to make a film as it does to promote the film, and sometimes mm. even longer. You know, with Mixed Match, we promoted that film for three years. You know, we did 150 university screenings, mm-hmm. we did over 30 film festivals. Um, wow. You know, because you've got to go out there and you got to make sure people are seeing the film. You Absolutely. know, and we create with Mixed Match, it was really cool because we made.
1: Screening events, right? Mm-hmm. So when people
2: came, they got to sign up at the bone marrow registry. Afterwards, we were there for Q and A's. You know, we wanted to make sure that we had the opportunity that people could take a call to action.
1: Absolutely, almost like a like a really wrapping up the burrito of the experience and creating that <laughs> engagement. And um, I'm curious, how did you manage as a filmmaker to get in touch with all those universities and just screen 150 different universities across the country?
2: Yeah, what's cool about that is that um, a lot of them reached out to us. You know, once they because mm. that's the
1: thing, you know, people got to hear about your film. They got
2: to know about your film. So mm-hmm. you know, we went to academic conferences. Uh, made sure that people, we had screenings there so educators could come and see the film. Mm. Um, Not just that, but we also aligned with partners, so Canadian Blood Services in Canada Mm. was Mm. a big partnership, as well as Be The Match in the US, which is the largest bone marrow registry in, you know, pretty much the world, you know, and so they actually ended up licensing like 60 screenings of the films because they have university groups that do outreach on their campuses. Mm. So it was kind of these big bulk sales, really. Um, But at the same time, like I said, that's a huge win, right? Because you're getting that demographic, we want to see the film, which is college kids because they have the best bone marrow according to doctors um, and they're signing up and also because a lot of campuses are very diverse as well mm. we want to create more diversity within these You groups.
1: see this is so inspiring especially looking at the way content is being distributed and, and also the struggle and the hustle that's involved and uh, looking at, uh, at, at what you are doing and, and, and other filmmakers are doing out there partnering and really engaging and tapping into mm-hmm. the core process of getting the film out there it's, it's wonderful and I'm curious if there is anything else that you're planning right now for 2020 and What's your what's your what's your next project? What's happening? What's yeah. happening?
2: Always always making stuff and always promoting stuff. Um, it's crazy because uh, I made it my very first feature length documentary was called One Big Hapa Family, mm-hmm. and it was a film that looked at why all of my Japanese Canadian family intermarried after you know my grandparents' generation, mm-hmm. and a lot of it has to do with the internment of the Japanese you know during World War II Mm -hmm. you know this large intermarriage rate within the community Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's reflective of all of Canada you know Mm. and people mixing and blending but that film is turning 10 this year so we're having our 10 year anniversary so we're going to sort of release sort of a bit of a a screening tour across Canada Uh, we're going to start in Vancouver at the National Nikkei Museum we'll have a screening coming up in March Mm. um and nice and tasty, man. That's wonderful. Yeah, and how is the
1: a, process of organizing this and just making sure that there is an alignment with all these screenings? Yeah, you know, it's it's a lot about just networking.
2: As you know, it's mm-hmm. about going to these events, mm-hmm. seeing people, meeting people, and keeping a catalog of people you know and work mm-hmm. with and trust. And so it's great to just reach out. You know, it's like there's a lot of Japanese community centers and societies across mm-hmm. Canada. It's just reaching out, you know, and mm-hmm. saying, hey, my film's turning 10. A lot of them, were, I, they know about the film. They've seen the film. They, they, and what we're trying to sell with the film, too, is that... It's not just a screening. We're actually going to have a discussion about Mm. the community and what it's like 10 years later. You know, have we mixed more? How is identity being processed now within the community? I love this so much,
1: man. I love this so much. And uh, you have much of my respect and support because this engagement is really the future of education, I believe. Many times Mm -hmm. we look at the way the new generations are coming up and film is such a great way to bring people together and discuss and create that that comfortable space of conversation. So I really respect the type of work that you're doing. And I really invite also as a shout-out to all all the educators out there to think deeply about the importance and the presence of film in our social tissue Mm -hmm. how it can really make a difference and just get the love out there in one way or the other Jeff uh, you you know what Uh, there is this song that I chose specifically for today's episode Uh, we're going to have to take a break and uh, this is all dedicated to you because this song is called Sounds from the Rainbow by Lady Full Stop and uh, this one here kind of really feels nice because uh, how can you sound, how can you hear the rainbow? And this is to your animation, that uh, you're listening to your animation for how deeply they reach. So for that, I thank you. I thank you all our listeners. Please catch a break. This is uh, Sounds from the Rainbow by Leigh Full stop. Oh my goodness, just dance a little bit to it. Just dance a little bit on Catch Your Radio on Room Tone, the radio show. Sounds from the Rainbow, rainbow.
3: A mighty ears and only talk outside to lot, but that's only cause I enjoy lot. has my fair share of dusty homes and salty doorlots turning off the light, cause you no know more ask me more cast, Just to give the right to dig the sauce, but of course not keep an extra bandage in the bag in case it falls for me it needs to floor a little bit of war lats, keep the soul in order I got plenty more so that was defend the world for them it's own goal tripping as we seek to make the attractions don't go kicking as we attempt to bring it back to old old school we sniffing them back cause there is no food. No regular food, painful regular food We don't need no drunk snacks, this neck of the woods With that in the eyes, in the, the, the guts We're crossing the T's and we're sucking the birds. Gotta blow your brains out as the repertoire one oh, not to go out, but I'm happier At the same thing, I complain, I know what you do Clean up my teens, that's what people do Fingers the same, on my main, go way different avenues Blues, clues, now I get the range, I'm no proof Something in my brain saying there's more you can do Every time you shed more smoke in my chimney Gold bags with me, a gold star shipping Got right to the me those who more coming Picking uh, up the uh, 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 you just a small so Wanna be contender But I put you in a Why uh, does your defenders They say I'm a kid You cry cold Those my descendants Conscious of the I'm going I try me No worries about tadpole Coming for my fish. Staring at a blank page Crying out my am And I was cutting out a zigzag Stopping in uh, my tent I be coming like I'm sitting by for the I'm about this black hole something at my pieces been up to this part pockets in my pants No more day for the late My legs of asleep, Eyes shut until it's weird i coming for the heat And I can barely keep it Gotta blow your brains out That's the repertoire Of oh, war Not I single out But I'm happier Not the same thing can complain I know what it do Clean up my teens That's what people do Nothing is the same All my mains Going way different avenues Clues Now I get deranged I'm not bully boo. Something in my brain saying, That's why you can do, say that's what you can say. Ooh, say that's, that's what people do. Cut all your veins out. That's the repertoire of one after single. I'm gonna oh, be on yeah. like the same thing. Don't complain. and nobody do. We know my things. That's what people do. Nothing so, is the same. Like nothing is the same. Like nothing is the same.
1: My goodness, so much juicy juice here on Room Tone, the radio show, Cop Radio 100.5 FM. That was, of course, "Sounds from the Rainbow" by Lay. Full stop. I'm here with uh, animation and documentary director and producer Jeff Chiba turns How are you feeling, Jeff? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Mm. I like this. Man, where did that track take you, man? Oh my goodness, where did that track take <laughs> that you?
2: That was so full. That was nice. Mm, that was we gotta, nice. we
1: gotta bring the juice, you know. We gotta bring the love for our Vancouver community, our Vancouver film community, and I can't wait to just explore a little bit more yeah. what it means to be part of this community here in Vancouver. Now, I know that you're involved. Both in animation and documentary Mm -hmm. And this year Your first documentary uh, is going to turn 10 Yeah, the
2: first feature like, Doc, we did uh, Turns 10, uh, 10th anniversary, and I kind of just realized, I'm like, oh wow, it's been 10 years now (laughs) Um, and that film, like I said, looks at the journey that I had trying to figure out in my own family, you know, how are we embracing our own sort of mixedness um, Mm. you know, being a mixed Japanese-Canadian family and realizing that nobody after my grandparents' generation had married anyone else who was mixed Japanese Mm. Um, and so it was really interesting for me to kind of explore that, you know, and with my own family and have these discussions because I'd never really discussed it with them before. And because of that film, it did really well, you know, in terms of the community, um, you know, played a lot of um, mm-hmm. you know, festivals, but also went out to the community and we played a lot of Japanese Canadian mm-hmm. you know. So what's happening this year? What's happening this year, man? I wanna I wanna
1: I wanna shout it out there. You
2: know? Yeah, well we're gonna i like I said I'm in the process of organizing a tour. So we're we're really trying to get all the cities that have Japanese Canadian um, community centers or societies on board um, and they're gonna try and help organize these screenings. With uh, within themselves, Mm -hmm. but also, like I said, we're going to have a panel discussion afterwards. Talk about the topics in the film, and ten years later, have things changed? Have things shifted? How is identity being seen in the community now that Mm -hmm. we are more mixed and blended? Mm -hmm. You know, as as a community, Um, because as Japanese Canadians, you know, ninety five percent of most of Japanese Canadians marry outside of the community, meaning Mm -hmm. that there's a large group of mixed Japanese Canadians like myself. um, You know, that sort of. look at themselves and and, and see how are we Canadian? How are we identifying as Japanese Canadian? Um, Because a lot lot of times now we're, you know, having kids, like my kids now, my wife is mixed Japanese like me. So our Mm -hmm. children are exactly kind of a mix of a mix of us. (laughs) Um, But at the same time too, you know, some, some, like my sister, you know, um, her kids are now quote unquote a quarter. Japanese, mm-hmm. you know, and I hate using fractions because I don't really believe in that, mm-hmm. that idea. But at the same time, you know, how are they identifying? How are yeah. we seeing that? Right? We so. do have
1: a responsibility to look at identity, especially nowadays mm-hmm. in a place like BC, and especially Vancouver is a very progressive city. And what identity even means as a fluid state, or as a state of being, or is a, yeah. is a state of mind, right? Uh, we definitely need uh, need more of this type of work. Sure. And if people want to tune in, of course they can uh, come in and, and check you out, and they just can just Google your name, uh, Jeff Chiba Sterns, and yeah. they'll find a lot more about it. Uh, but I'm really curious to touch base with you Mm -hmm. and uh, hear how it's going uh, uh, during the year with all these screenings Uh, now uh, with children's books Mm. as well I'm very curious about the process of visualizing it putting it on paper, and then distributing it out there. Sure. You know, I
2: think that that was a dream of mine that I've always had since I was a teenager. I wanted to do kids' books. And actually, even when I got out of Emily Carr with my animation degree, I wanted to do kids' books. Mm. But it's just a fiercely competitive industry that, you know, I was getting all these rejection letters. So I was like, eh, whatever. I'll, I'll shelf that for a while and I'll mm. just make animated films. Um, which is great, you know, because I had the ability to tell <laughs> stories through animation, which is the same process. You know, it's just whatever medium you take to tell a story. But, after having kids and reading all these kids books to my children I'm like I can do this I'm gonna do this you know Mm. and so um, the first one was pretty simple it was just a Kids' book, an ABC book about mixed up animals that was kind of inspired by my daughter because she's, you know, mixed Japanese. Yeah. So I figured I'll mix up some animals and she can see herself reflected in animals. It didn't have to be just one thing, they could be many things. Genius. So that that book was called Mixed Critters. Mm. And what's great about that book is it was a simple book. So, you know, I got a distributor for the book. We got it out into chapters and it, it, it got into the independent bookstores. And then I just sold it out, whatever, got on mm. Amazon. So it was a good learner book to help me because I independently published it through my company. I do everything mm. through my company, right? Mm-hmm. I independently published my books. I, independently make my own films mm-hmm. and I retain the rights to it, right? Do so, you ever
1: think that it's, there's going to be a time where you want to step into a different process and, and hand it off to, to someone else? Sure, or do you find sure. it really precious?
2: Yeah, you know what? No, I, I do a hybrid system of distribution. So mm-hmm. I retain some rights uh, for sales, but I also have educational distributors that handle the film. I've got, you know, certain aggregators that work, you know, get on iTunes and stuff. So it's a bit of a process of, of, of but still at the same time, I still own the rights to the film, mm-hmm. right? Um, so same thing with kids' books, right? You know, I can still have that process of getting the book out. So this year now, I, I just finished a book called Nori and His Delicious Dreams. It's a, little, it's a book about a little boy who's mixed Japanese who dreams of sleeping on various types of food. Mm. I don't know why. It's just I love food. <laughs> I like sleep. I figured it was a good combination. And it's a really cute kind of book of him just sort of dreaming of sleeping in food. Mm. Um, but for me, what's interesting is that I can showcase food from around the world. Mm. So really, the, the joy of that book is that we get uh, kids get to kind of look at different types of food that they might not have tried and say, Hey, I want to try Pad Thai I want what to try these what an idea, cru- this, what this-, an idea. this
1: is uh, this is incredible because it also emphasizes uh, the diversity and different colors of all the color wheels of the world mm-hmm. which is uh, really fascinating and on that note I'd like to ask you what is the process for you to visualize these ideas you know is it that you wake up one day and you have the idea and you want to make it happen or do you sit down on the table and you draw until it comes out
2: you know sometimes it's that you know it, it the, the, the creation process for me is, is, is quite random right mm-hmm. like sometimes if I haven't drawn in a while I'll just sit down and draw because I need to get it out. Um, Sketchbooks, you know, just sort of getting these ideas flowing. Um, But it's also different when you're doing a documentary because Mm -hmm. it's not so much drawing as much as it's just writing down notes or taking notes or observation, right? And it's also looking at how much access you have to the subject. Mm. So for me, it's kind of like, it's an interesting kind of sort of mind, you know, meld, right? Like you're trying (laughs) to pull all this stuff out of your brain. But, you know, for me, it's like I probably have like, you know, hundreds of different ideas for projects You know, but how do you focus on just one? Mm. I think that's the most important thing as any kind of creator is that you've got to really kind of keep your focus because Mm. it's very easy for me now that I finished my second kid's book to be like, I'm going to make my third now because I've got this really great idea Mm -hmm. and then neglect, you know, the other book because now you're going to move forward on creating. So I think it's really important that you spend the time properly on promoting because, like I said, it makes no sense to create if no one's going to see it.
1: I see. And when when it goes down to promoting your content and your stories, where do you begin? And where do you end? What is that trajectory like for you, especially for a successful studio like yours? Sure, you know, I think it's you know, distribution is changing, it can't help but keep changing. Mm. So
2: you've always got to be up on the trends, you've got to see what's trending, you gotta see how people are getting the work out there, you've got to do the research, you've got to Mm. constantly be learning. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not learning and learning these new processes, you know, every day you see certain systems like you know, cinema on demand, there's one called Mm. Tug, it just shut down, right? Mm -hmm. Distributor who is an aggregator just shut down. Mm -hmm. So there's all these sort of outlets that are not around anymore. You know, something I was making money with, you know, ten years ago is not around anymore. Right. So you've got to constantly be reinventing yourself, reinventing the films. Traditional distribution is changing. You know, it it just does that. SVOD is huge, Netflix. We all know that. Mm -hmm. You know, and so we've got to look at how are we able to monetize at the same time as keeping up with what is current, what Mm -hmm. is what are how are people getting their content, you know? And, you know, how are people making money through YouTube? Which is pretty impossible, you know, if, if that's you're not making, you know, really trendy kid stuff, right? Of course. But.
1: <laughs> Well, you see, this is where it really speaks out loud to the filmmakers out there who are in this in this situation, are in this place where they're, cre- they're raising these questions. Mm-hmm. Raising these questions, where do we go? Where does our content go? And that's probably a consequence of the fact that everything is so accessible. Sure. You can just grab an iPhone and you can make a movie. Yeah, everything yeah. is so accessible and as a result, there's so much content that not everything is going to go through. And then we have to find an, our way through the river and just swim mm-hmm. up and find our own way to create a systematic right. uh, survival in some
2: way. Which, systematic is, survival. which is why it's so important. You know, I think it was Orson Welles said that uh, filmmaking is 2% making a film, 98% hustle, right? Mm. And that's no way to to live your life, right? I see what you um, mean. But you got to think it is. It is literally more hustle than it is mm. making. and And really, that's what it really boils down to. Because if you're going to stand out in this whole clutter of people yeah. making content you have got to stand out yeah. and to stand out you got to get out there and just promote promote shake hands go to go mm-hmm. to events this is why i keep seeing you around town right because <laughs> you know it's great because you go to these events you, you keep current with people your mm-hmm. people you can collaborate with mm-hmm. and um you know it's just talking,
1: talking We're curious, people. you know. People are, are curious and uh, we've got to stay hungry, absolutely, and yeah. uh, uh, hungry for news, hungry for uh, discovery, exploration, because things are going to change so quickly and I have no doubt that something will, will happen in the next 10 years for our industry and will sh- shake things around and that's just what people are trying to also mm-hmm. invent in many ways. So we are in a very uh, fluid state sure. uh, as, a, as a community, not only in Vancouver but around the world and one of the things that I'm very curious to hear from you is if you have any information Interest in expanding and in exploring other places around the world through your content, which is outside of BC or Canada.
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, I think that's that's been great because with short animation, it's really amazing because it has that ability to transcend into different sort of avenues and formats Mm. and mediums. Um, And so I've been very fortunate with the short film work that's actually done quite worldwide success, right? Documentaries are a little bit more sort of regional in that sense. So, you know, I've done well in North America, but it's been harder to get it out, you know, overseas. So, you know, with kids' books, same thing, you know, Amazon is great because people can still go on there and just order whatever they want and get Mm. stuff anywhere in the world. Um, You know, I don't like Amazon as a company, but at Mm -hmm. the same time for accessibility, uh, to to your items, you know, it's great. But, you know, I guess that's the thing is is, you know, how much focus and time can you spend on one area and then to move into another territory is so much more work, right? Mm. So, luckily, you know, like I said, With Yellow Sticky Notes, what was really interesting is that when YouTube acquired it, it was for something called The Screening Room. Mm. Well, when they acquired it, it's like, oh, here's a, you know, we're going to buy your film. We want to put it up on YouTube for six weeks. After that, you can take it down, non-exclusive, whatever, Mm -hmm. or whatever. And and literally, they put it on the front page of YouTube for a weekend. Mm. I got like over a million views Mm. in a weekend. I was getting so many, you know, people contacting me going, oh, we love the film. But not just that, but ad agencies were contacting me. So I got so much work. Wow. And I left it up and I swear to God every single time I get a call to do any kind of work is because somebody saw Yellow Sticky Nose wow, on YouTube that's amazing. so when you think about it it's not even so much the film anymore it's about the fact that that film now people see it they want to come to me for mm. more content more creation
1: and probably that's where one of the keys uh, uh, is is basically the process of creating content that cr- that creates the flow of attention that you might need mm. as a filmmaker and then other contents to cr- sort of throw the hook it's almost like a jab 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 hook in mm. many ways uh, which is apparent that uh, if we dive uh, into it we can find this pattern across the different careers of the filmmakers yeah. and on that note is there any filmmaker or any content creator that has specifically inspired you you know i think it's a
2: lot of friends you know i think when mm. i look at the filmmaker friends that i have you know i love seeing their successes yeah, that's why i love social media because you could instantly see that oh so-and-so got enough sundance or so-and-so <laughs> got this done and, and it's really kind of fun to watch people's careers grow as well you know and how are they still sort of creating content but also sort of how they're also shifting mediums Mm -hmm. right in terms of going okay well someone's doing VR now right or someone's doing this type of content and it makes me really curious you know like how do you do that? How do you make that? Mm. So, you know, that inspires me. I mm-hmm. think a ton. You know, so there's a lot of filmmakers in Canada that are friends with that. I'm watching their journeys, and it's inspiring me, right? Because I want to also sort of partake in you know these experiences as well. You Wonderful. know, and so yeah, it's not just one person. I'd say it's it's a it's a collective of many people. You know, that inspire me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's that's I think keeps me going.
1: Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned that uh, in your creation of pr- uh, in your creative process, making documentaries and animation, uh, you find yourself creating a documentary and even promoting it as you mentioned for three years mm-hmm. and then you have animation what is the timeline like for animation yeah you know I've done a lot of short animated films they range in
2: taking about nine months to about a year sometimes a little bit over um, you know and that's sort of for a five to six to seven minute film mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's it's to me it, it's it's just the process right mm-hmm. some animated films can take three years you know I always wanted to make a feature-length animated film mm. But it's probably gonna take me ten years, right? Mm. Um, which is only four less than making, you know, documentary, yeah. <laughs> or four more than making a documentary. Um, so I probably will still pursue that as a goal. That's 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 definitely a goal of mine. Um, mm. But at the same time, you know, I think it's just sort of like picking and choosing your battles, right? You know, like what do I feel like making now? And I feel like I'm at a stage now where. I'm making the kids' books, but I do want to get back into film. I've got some documentary ideas. I've got some animation ideas. Mm. But it's really kind of to, you know, what is it that I can probably get the funding to make? Mm. And I think as filmmakers, we always have to think of that back, too, is it's like, yeah, it's one thing just to go out and make it. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker who, you know, makes a living and an earning and a career out of making mm-hmm. films. I don't do anything else, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I do commercials, right? Um, but at the same time, I'm, that's, to me, part of the, the company,
1: Right. So that's a great point because I see that there are many filmmakers that many times adapt their stories to fit the funding. Mm -hmm. And that becomes a big topic very sure. controversial in many ways and I'd like to hear what's your message for the people out there that are seeking that funding or people that are just making movies without seeking that funding where yeah, do you live yeah. on that uh, on that spectrum?
2: Well I think I I, I go for a lot of government or grants so Canada Council BCRs mm-hmm. Council um, I've been very successful with that as well but also you know broadcasters there's funding there and I think it depends on sort of your approach if you want to keep things under your creative control and you've got a great creative vision go for grants right if you want to create something that's a bit more kind of you know viewer friendly in that mm-hmm. sense you know then the broadcast. Cast will come on board, but they're going to have a little bit of a hand in guiding mm-hmm. you and being a little more in that creative process. So if you don't want that, then that's not the route route mm-hmm. for you. I've been lucky that I've kind of done both. You know, I've kind of been in both those worlds. I've come, I've, I've, collaborated in both those those things. And a lot of times, because of the films I've made and the successes I've had and the accolades and awards I've won, people kind of just let me do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that's been great. Not everyone, you know, especially if you're starting out, is going to uh, have that. But at the same time, sometimes it's important to have that mm. because it's so Someone else helping guide you, helping mentor you as well. And I I really appreciate the fact that early on I had great mentors.
1: Mm, There you go. Mentor is another big word over here, Mm. especially in an industry like ours. And in in talking about mentors and what they mean and what they meant for you, what's the process like in reaching out to these mentors and even engaging and hooking up to these relationships and these connections so that you can create something beautiful and meaningful
2: out of it? Yeah, you know, I think what was really crazy is that that Yellow Sticky Note film, we did a second film with a Bravo Fact Grant. Where it was called Yellow Sticky Notes Canadian Annie Jam. And mm-hmm. what that film was, it was basically the same concept of animators animating on Post it Notes, but I brought in other animators to animate this sort of what we call an Annie Jam. So mm-hmm. basically, they each, they each make their own little part, but it all kind of becomes one film and what's crazy about that is that I had animators who had won Academy Awards working on this project. I had animators that had been nominated for Academy Awards working on this. These are animators that I looked up to and I idolized and had I thought of as mentors and here I am directing them, right? Mm-hmm. So when I think about what's cool about animation is that there isn't really this ego, you know? And mm-hmm. I think for the animators, they're like, you know, this is cool. It's a great little project. We get to work with our friends like Chris Hinton, um, you know, Alison Snowden and David Fine were on the project. Janet Perlman. These, these are like, you know, big name Cordell Barker to the cat came back for NFB. Marv Newland is someone I've have always idolized as a filmmaker and an mm-hmm. animator. And he came on board to help me out with this project. Beautiful. And to me, he's, he's a great mentor, mm-hmm. you know? So I think what's great is that the mentors now are working with me, right? Mm-hmm. As much as they are mentoring, they're also kind of working on this project so when I look at that and think about how mentorship kind of works sometimes it isn't always just about them kind of working to, to help you you mm-hmm. know technically sometimes they're working with you mm-hmm. and I think that is something that's important I think in, in, the, in the way we look at mentorship
1: mm, look at that connection and look at that beauty and that speaks also to the beauty of the Vancouver film community because here in YVR we are lucky we have a, a community that's pretty intimate and very sure. supportive and uh, that stands out in many ways in comparison to other places out there in the world and yet people confuse because they're They see the big white trucks out there and they see uh, what's going on here. And yes, Vancouver is is a great set, you know, but there is a lot of stuff happening in L.A. that also comes to shoot here. Have you ever thought about uh, looking into L.A. and what that means as a juxtaposition with Vancouver?
2: Yeah, you know, I've been
1: very fortunate that as a filmmaker, I've traveled the world,
2: you know. and, Mm -hmm. And what's great about that is I've gone to film festivals all over the world. And I always kind of come back to Vancouver thinking this is the place that I like. Being This mm-hmm. is where I like to be. I've been to LA like, tons. We shot most of Mixed Match in LA. And every time I was in LA, I'm like, I got to get out of here. You know, I'd be mm. like a week. I am stuck in traffic. I'm like, I'm done with this place. <laughs> um, you know, so it's, it's crazy that like, BC is my home. I grew up in Kelowna. Mm. I moved out to Vancouver. I've got this love-hate relationship with both cities, but I love both, <laughs> right? Um, but at the same time, I just find this is the perfect place because it's not too big. You've got a great community. You've got the great sort of outdoors as well. That's very inspirational to the Mm -hmm. work I do. But also just I don't know something about Vancouver that, that just works for me mm-hmm. and nowhere else in the world maybe Kyoto, Japan um, mm. could work but at the same time <laughs> you, know, you always fantasize hey I could live somewhere else but no mm-hmm. I always come back to Vancouver
1: Beautiful man I'm happy to hear that and so for Vancouver you, you, we, guys, we guys know we know we know all of us how lucky we are living in this city and uh, we chose a rainforest so let's not <laughs> complain about the rain and the snow but it's part of the beauty of this city that is so lunatic right? you got yeah. the snow you got the sun you got the rain and everything in between and I love it and with that being said it's time for us to take another break on Room Tone the radio show of course this is Cop Radio 100.5 FM I'm Roger your host I'm here with the phenomenal Jeff Chiba Stearns oh, and we're going to continue <laughs> with the one minute pitch and the Bruce questionnaire right after the break with Katina Brother by Sianka let's go everybody enjoy this beautiful track a little bit funky as well don't be afraid to shake your hips and just get the love out there because that's what it's all about I'll catch you later ciao ciao
4: standing at the door. I hope I'm though I need my own. On my last time. On my Cigarette coat. Why you trying to hide? That ain't no damn puppy. Why you telling lies? The one unemployed, but now everything is hard to imagine. Things that exist for the family. Replay, replay, sanity. The one unemployed, but now everything is hard to imagine. Things that exist for the family. Replay, replay, sanity. 1991. 1991, MJ was a man. You lost just a star. You ain't been the same. Cigarette
0: coat,
4: I have your supply. That ain't no damn puppy. Why you telling lies? The one unemployed but knows everything is hard to imagine Things that exist for the family We play and radio sanity. The one unemployed but knows everything is hard to imagine Things that exist for the family We play and radio sanity.
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is Room Tone, the radio show on Cop Radio 100.5 FM. I'm Roger your host, and I'm here with Jeff Chiba-Stern talking about documentaries and animation. Now, it's time for the one-minute pitch. Are you ready, Jeff? We're going to oh, just go for pressure. the one-minute pitch and get you to pitch your next big idea. Are you ready? Sure. Let's go. Three, two, one, and it's happening. I'm going to pitch you the the kids' book because I think that that's something that's just come out.
2: It's, it's something that I want everyone to see. Um and it's really important to me because like I said this is a passion that I've had since I was a teenager Um, so Nori and His Delicious Dreams is a kids book I created um, as a way for kids to get excited about food but also a good way for them to explore foods that they might not normally have ever tried Um, so really it's about a little boy named Nori Um, Nori is actually a Japanese word for seaweed um, but it's called Nori and His Delicious Dreams because he's basically he goes into this dream world where he gets to sleep on various different types of food, it's fun it's fresh, it's got this cute little rhyming scheme to it and it's something I think the kids are really going to dig so you know I really hope people are curious about picking up the book checking it out it should be released sometime actually in a couple weeks so we're going to do a bit of a launch and uh, we'll be at the Richmond uh, actually we'll be at the Richmond uh, Children's Arts Festival
1: on uh, Family Day so Please come out and check us out. Beautiful. And that was Jeff Chiba's turns from the Meditating Bunny studio. The one and only just uh, getting uh, the space (laughs) and then sending the space between animation and documentary. I'm really excited to hear about this book launch, man. Please, please. uh, You're going to have to send me more details so I can add them uh, into the podcast of this show when it's going to be released later on. Uh, Now, this being said, it's time for the Proust Questionnaire. This means that we're going to pick five questions randomly out of the 35 that Bruce (laughs) wrote down thinking that they would dive deep into someone's true identity. Uh So we're going to grab our oxygen masks and we're either going to go all the way up where there is a lack of oxygen or all the way down where there is also lack of oxygen. We need that oxygen mask nice and close because we're about to go deep. So the first question for (laughs) our man, the one and only is what is your idea of perfect happiness
2: perfect happiness i really feel like i said that i have found bliss you know Mm. people talk about passion but i feel like i have found bliss every day in my life i do what i do Because it's something that just drives me, right? Mm. And I'm very fortunate that every day is a little different. You know, I get to solely create every day. Every day is I get to decide what I want to do. To me, that's bliss. You know, Mm. that's pure happiness for me. And I get to be home with my family. I've got two young kids. And I get to work from home. I have a third Mm. bedroom in my house. Nothing could be better. There's Mm. nothing in this world that could be better. You know what I mean? Like, Not even having, you know, millions of dollars could be better. Mm. To me, this is bliss. And that, to me, is pure happiness.
1: Wow. Mm, Thank you. This anticipates a wonderful combo of Proust questions, man. It's like I can see the heart and people can hear it and feel it too from the radio, from the streaming, from the podcast, everywhere, man. I'm happy to be here with you and just throw you the second question of the Proust questionnaire, which is, what do you consider... Your greatest achievement. Now, this is a specific achievement yeah. in your life.
2: Mm, you know, that's, that's, that I, that's so hard because, you know, how do you quantify sort of different things like having children? You know what I mm. mean? Like, that's a huge achievement, you know, in terms of, you know, being there, you know, for my wife at that time, having these children, you know, and that's such a different thing from, let's say, birthing a film, Right, you know, I was just a joke that like you make a film. It took me nine months. Here's my little film baby. Let's send it out <laughs> into the world and hope it does well. <laughs> you know, and I think in terms of achievement, you know, it's it's hard to say, but I think just creating the company, you know, and being able to sustain myself under this company, and being able to make the films, make the content, make the books that I make that to me is a huge achievement to be able to
1: you know, create a living out of this. Mm, that's wonderful. And in that, with, on that note, I want to slide a question that's not part of the Bruce questionnaire. Sure. Uh, that's related to your balance yeah. in creating that content and also thriving with your family, which is an incredible, incredible world. Yeah. Being, having the the, the balance and, and the process of being through that, it definitely speaks to the love that you have for your own life and, and for the what you do and, and also sure. uh, the, the people that surround you.
2: Yeah. Oh, and that's true. And I think... You know, that's new to me, right? Because my daughter's five. I've got a one-year-old son. Congratulations. Oh, no, my daughter's four. Sorry, Mm. yeah. Um, But I I always think, you know, it's I was a little later in life, you know, like in my later 30s when I had kids, you know, and that's something I think is important, you know, that I got to experience what I needed to experience. I got to travel where I needed to travel, you know, got that out of my system. And now I get to kind of switch focus and be a dad, you know? And like, yeah, I can still create. It's just I create a little bit slower because Mm. now I've got some other priorities in my life to to think about. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, You know, that's, to me, just life goals. You know, like there was a point in my career where I was a professional snowboarder. Mm. There was a point in my career where I used to play in punk rock bands. Wow. You know, and I used to always say, like, those are all things that I had goals and dreams to do, and I did it. Mm. Right? I've moved on since then. You know, I still snowboard, but I don't do it competitively. Mm. But at the same time, I could still say, hey, that was a period in my life where I wanted that. I did it. I achieved it. Great. And so I think through life, that's how you progress, you know. You've got to constantly challenge yourself to create yourself, to Mm. do new things and enjoy what you want to do at the time. Mm. And I've been very fortunate that I've just been very motivated in my Mm. own life to do that.
1: Beautiful. Full of surprises, my man. Full of surprises. And in this whole trajectory, in this whole adventure that has been your life, what was the moment when you said, okay, I'm going to dedicate the next phase of my life or all my life to documentaries, to animation, to storytelling? When was that moment? (sighs) You know, I guess... Probably in high school, you know, like I always had these ideas for little
2: films or ideas for books or ideas for projects, but yet you're, you're, I always think like when you're a teenager, you're, you're so scattered, you know what I mean? Like there's no way you're ever going to accomplish like something great. Now, don't get me wrong. There's kids nowadays are doing beautiful, amazing things at that age you know that age I was just happy just to kind of go out and whatever have fun mm-hmm. you know it wasn't until I kind of got out of university where I got to get all that bad art mm. out of me you know I always say you know, I did this commencement or this speech at Emily Carr because I won this award there this alumni award and I, I talked to the kids about getting all your bad art out in university taking the risk you have to take so when you get out you can start making some good art right mm. and I feel like that's when I really started to kind of peak right is when I sort of finished school I got out there and started making these films that I wanted to make for me mm. and that's where sort started to kind of things took off right mm. and I think like I said Yellow Sticky Notes for me defined my career
1: wow man this is uh, wonderful to hear and uh, uh, it really speaks uh, again out loud to the dedication that's part of the process yeah, now this is we're going to go back to the Proust questionnaire okay. man, because we took a little, a little exploration <laughs> little you know yeah yeah, a little detour and uh, it was lovely now the third question of the Proust questionnaire this is going to whoop shake it up a bit if you were to die and come back as a person or a thing what would it be oh man that's Ooh. that's tricky asking that to an animator huh? oh man <laughs> um
2: That's you know I think I've always thought about that I think as a philosophical guy you think a lot about you know what is reincarnation Mm. you know I would like to think that if I came back I don't want to be on Earth you know what I mean Mm. like I'd love to be on another planet as another species of alien of sorts Mm. I've I've seen a lot here I want to go somewhere else you know what I mean and I'm. truly believe that we are not alone. We can't be alone. There's billions and billions of stars out there and planets. I want to come back somewhere else in the universe, Mm. right? I want to see what that's like. And that, to me, is always sort of being a cool sort of thought. You know, Mm. like, do we have this universal reincarnation theory where we can spread out in the universe? You know what I mean? Why are we confined to Earth? I think Mm -hmm. Earth is, you know... I don't want to come back here. There's a mm. lot of bad stuff going on. You know what I mean? <laughs> we've kind of, I think we've peaked. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I want to come back somewhere else.
1: I see. That's, a, that's, a really, that's really provocative in many ways. And it really speaks also, it, it explores the lands of, uh, of life itself, yeah. you know, and what that life is or what life isn't. And uh, it's going to keep me thinking for a little while. So thank you for that, Jeff. <laughs> now, fourth question on the Proust questionnaire. Ooh, we're going super deep. We're almost touching. Oh, man. We're going super, super deep here, okay? It goes like this. What is your greatest regret?
2: Yeah, you know, i, I that's so hard because I don't want to live my life with regrets. Mm. And, and I think that's really damaging. I think mm. there's a negative sort of element to that as well. You know, saying that we're living life, if we have regrets, then it's like I've done something wrong, mm. right? I don't want to think I've ever done anything wrong. You know, there's things that I've done that I would have liked to have done better or I would have liked to have redone. But I'm going to say there's – I don't want to regret anything. I don't mm. think that's a good way to think in the way we live you know that we have regrets for things like I should have done this instead I did that Mm -hmm. because everything's going to lead you in one direction or some other direction you know and I think that's for a reason I'm, I'm a true existentialist when it comes to that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> nice. This idea that we, we are alone, we move freely through life, but we need to take responsibility for all of our decisions. Mm. By taking responsibility for all of our decisions, you can't live with regret, right? Because we have to take that responsibility for what we've done. <laughs> you know, so mm. I'm going to just say that's my answer for that.
1: Beautiful. And ultimately, taking responsibility on life brings a lot of meaning. And makes life way more meaningful to you, and, and really introduces that purpose that drives all of us. Yeah. And uh, I like to see that that purpose is part of the community, and especially the film community here in Vancouver, sure. as there are always events, there are always things happening. There's always you can always feel the juice, yeah. the soul of the community, always striving for something deeper, for something that's further uh, out and uh, o- almost like at the furthest reach of metaphor, it's almost like a uh, like a constant uh, exploration of the peak, that mm-hmm. a peak that never ends. And that's why I feel so proud to be part of this community and, and yeah. get to meet uh, people like yourselves that, no, that, that create you. uh, this uh, meaningful content uh, for, a br- for a really wide range mm-hmm. of audience. And, um, you know, just to go back to our conversation about film, uh, one of the, the, the questions that really rises for me is uh, the way you handle promotion for all these different content that reaches kids or reaches students. Um, how do you uh, differentiate your way of promoting this content uh, mm. in 2020, that social yeah. media is happening and everything is happening.
2: Well, I, I, I'm gonna just say it. I wanted to do this with you because I think you possess this amazing positive energy, mm. and I think that that really pulls a lot of good out of me, which mm. I, I think is, I just want to say that right now. <laughs> but in terms of, you know, the, the promotion, what I've learned about book promotion and film promotion, it's all very similar, right? You're all just trying to, you know, promote something. So, yeah, of course, social media is a th- very important, you know, get your, you know, handles and your hashtags and all that stuff together. You know, you got to get the word out because no one else is going to get the word out for you, mm. right? Especially when you are your, your own biggest cheerleader, right? Mm. Um, you know, no one's going to know all the accomplishments and successes you've had besides you, right? No one's gonna know about all the great things that I've accomplished more than I do. So, you know, I hate saying it's bragging, but at the same time, we have to kind of say, you know, hey, people need to know that I've done this, and, you know, we've we've created this kind of content, and, and it's good, you know what I mean? You have to stand behind your work, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to promote something I think is bad, but mm. I'm also not going to want to spend two years, six years of my life making something that's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'm going to make sure that I can create the best thing possible, and that people are going to enjoy it. And I think for me, the greatest, uh, you know... The greatest thing that comes out of this is that when you get these comments like on Yellow Sticky Notes on YouTube, there are comments where it was like, you know, old people, older people would be like, I haven't picked up a paintbrush in 60 years. Mm. And I watched your animated film and now I'm painting again. Oh, that's beautiful. You know what beautiful. I mean? Like that to mm. me, if I can inspire anyone to get up and create on their own. I've done it. You know, I've accomplished what I needed to accomplish. So
1: beautiful, man. You're bringing up the heat in this booth, man. You're <laughs> turning this booth into a sauna, man. I love it. So much inspiration. So much love. And uh, please, people, check it out. Yellow Sticky Notes on YouTube. This is the man, Jeff Chiba-Stearns, behind uh, all of that. And uh, believe it or not, it got uh, nominated for an Emmy. So a big round of applause, not only from me, but from the film community and Thank the you. Canadian film community. Because uh, it's a great achievement that stands up for representation in many ways. Uh, so that being said, we're going back to the final question of the Proust question. Yeah. Oh, there's one more. <laughs> yes, there is one more. There is one more. And uh, uh, there is this is a question that it's really fascinating for me and I think sure. it's really it really fits you because uh, uh, you seem to be a, a man of uh, high deep curiosity in many ways and mm-hmm. the question the question goes which historical figure do you most identify with? Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's super deep, man. We're going super deep, man, extremely deep.
2: Oh, wow. That's that's so crazy. You know what I mean when you think about you know Who is it? You know, and and because you don't know these historical people, you know, besides was written in books, right? Mm. So I don't know if they were a good person Mm. or a bad person. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, was Albert Einstein really a Mm -hmm. great person? I don't know. He was a brilliant person, but was he a great person? That's a hard, 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 hard question because, like I said, if you don't know kind of that sort of you know, what was it about them personally? Sure we, we know their achievements, we know what they've done, you know, they might have been great in one respect, but they could have been kinda of assholes. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Um I don't know. You know, I think I I can't I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that question and, and if I've ever really thought really hard and deep about mm. it. Because, like I said, I'd like to at least meet the person before you say see you. Is it a know historical
1: time? Is there a historical time in in the whole history of the world of you of humanity? One piece of history ah. where you would like to go back and live there a little bit?
2: I would like to say, you know, right in that cusp, you know, and sort of we just created that consciousness of being human. Mm. I'd like to kind of see where that transition happened and why that happened. And I think, to me, that would be. The most fascinating to sort of see that little pop in our brains and went, hey, you know, now we're shifting to a higher consciousness of thinking, of awareness, you know, ancient Egyptians in that sense, you know, when did this sort of technological thing happen in terms of how we sort of self-identified and 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 saw the world in a in a wider scope? So I, I would say at that moment, I don't know when that moment was, but I'm I would like to go to that exact moment
1: man I need a high five for that I'm going to give you a good hug later because this is definitely one of the best answers I've received ever on this show Uh, uh, really really profound man and I kind of want to give a shout out to the people out there as we're wrapping this whole burrito up this whole show is about to end you know (laughs) a big shout out to the people out there listening because uh, uh, this is all for you right we're here for you we're here to support the community and this is the part of of, of Cop Radio and of course it's 100.5 FM guys you know where to find us and uh, Only here you'll find the amazing people like the one and only Jeff Chiba Stearns. Oh, my goodness. Yes. From his words, yes, he's an animation (laughs) and documentary director and producer. So much juicy juice out there. Jeff. Yes. One piece of advice for the independent filmmakers out there. You know,
2: never stop questioning who you are because you know, it's important for us to constantly be questioning our own identity. And I think with that, that's going to inform your own filmmaking, because a lot of our own filmmaking is coming from our point of view. And I think as long as we are constantly sort of questioning ourselves, questioning the world around us, that's going to create a film that people are going to want to see. Mm. Because, you know, we're, we're curious people, and as long as we can kind of you know strive to find these answers, trying to find this philosophical sort of nature of our being... I think it's going to create great content.
1: Mm, thank you for that. Beautiful. We're about to wrap it all up. I'm about to pass on the mic uh, to Giuseppe with Talk Recovery, an amazing show. Please stay tuned from 12 to 1. Now, uh, before we really just uh, pack it up and just give the burrito out there to, uh, to the world, uh, one last shout-out to your book, and your your children book out yeah, there because uh, sure. there is so much happening for you this year with your screenings and with your book and I just want to make sure that people can uh, tie a knot to, to yeah, your essence.
2: Sure. So, you know, we're in March, we're going to have a screening in the National Nikkei Museum in Burnaby, uh, One Big Hapa Family. We're going to have a great panel with that with some of the people who are in the film um, as well. Uh, just check out the website for that for them. Um, and uh, Norring and His Delicious Dreams is launching literally in a few weeks from now. That's my next kids book. Uh, I'm going to be at the Richmond uh, Children's Arts Festival leading some workshops and some readings, and I'll be in the Lake Country uh, a Children's Festival in Kelowna um, basically uh, the week after. So I've got a lot of things coming up, um, but like I said, check out the website or check out my social media. I've, I'm always keeping people updated.
1: Beautiful. You know how to find the man, Jeff Chiba Stearns. Just Google that name or meditatingbunny.com. Uh, if you're listening to this as a podcast, my belated hug is nice and warm for you. Uh, Jeff? We're going to let you go. I'm going to give you a big hug as you step into this beautiful day here in Vancouver, wow, YVR. You. And it's always a pleasure to uh, spread love to all of you out there listening because the story is nothing without its audience. And uh, this is really for you guys. So uh, we're going to step out and uh, just enjoy this last tune from the one and only Erika Badu who doesn't know Erika Badu oh my goodness the one and only Erika Badu and uh, of course this is Room Tone the radio show talking movies because we love it every Thursday from 11 to 12 on Cop Radio 100.5 FM Erika Badu with On and On let's go thank you very much Hey, a pleasure next Thursday guys next Thursday 11am ciao ciao
0: Same. Intellects do not believe in God But they fear us just the same Oh, oh, no